maybe your expectations are just wildly different. Mm -hmm. Maybe you, communication just fell apart somewhere along the way. So you don't even know what people are thinking or what they're doing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast. Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Okay, we have with us today Iggy Perillo, who is the founder of WSL Leadership, where she is teaching emotionally intelligent leadership skills to make the world a better place. I like that. Can never get enough of whatever we need to do to make the world a better place. And now (laughs) that's needed now more than ever. So again, um, Iggy, welcome to Earrings Off, and we're going to jump right in. So um, Iggy, what traits do you typically see in good leaders? That is a great question. It's like the the million dollar question right there, I think, in a lot of ways. (laughs) The and it has a short answer, but it's, uh, you know, a complex answer. I think good leaders are really emotionally intelligent leaders. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, great. What does that mean? That's just some blather, right? But an emotionally intelligent leader builds trust and shows respect. And I think those are actually really tricky and complicated things to do, very nuanced yeah. in terms of how yeah. people operate. So yeah. trust and respect are the traits, building trust, showing respect, the traits of a, a emotionally intelligent leader, which is really what makes a leader a good leader, I think. Well, I tell you, Iggy, that is interesting you say that. In uh, past positions, I used to train directors and I would do a training for new managers. And, you know, at the end of the sessions, I would always share with the new managers that, to be honest, everybody's not ready to be over people, to have responsibility for leading because it comes out in the way that people are disrespectful to subordinates. And I saw, I saw that so much and it was like, really, you should never be (laughs) over anyone. I can't, that is not leadership. When you get people to do what you need because you berate them, you threaten them and you take away their self-dignity. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I I think you mentioned this great group of like these people sort of new managers or rising leaders. Right. And like somehow people get this promotion and sometimes think, well, now I have to be a really tough drill sergeant and yell at people. That is the worst model of leadership to build trust. And it's so disrespectful to people working around you who, and a lot of times they were your peer and suddenly you're their, you know, their boss or your step up. Yeah. It's so just really detrimental it's just yeah, a poor yeah. setup and that mindset if we could crush that mindset i've seen it sounds like you've seen it oh I think i've seen it go so much further so much faster things right. would be so much better right so um how do you then cultivate leaders how do you right. get them to that point well i think it uh my practice involves helping people understand really what their core values are, right? Whether you're a leader, whether you're not, whether no matter what you're doing, you have some sort of core values mm-hmm. that guide how you act. And if you're right. not clear on those, you sort of are just fumbling around and bumbling around. So 
I help people get clear on those first, but then to understand their strengths as a leader and to understand their strengths as a good leader, right? You know, if your strength is yelling, that's actually not a great leadership right, in right, situation. Right. So, but right. how people operate, I think we have these sort of default modes of how they operate as a leader. So if I'm cultivating a leader or looking for more leaders out there, I want people who understand their values, like their foundation, what they stand on. They understand some ideas of their leadership strengths, but then the next sort of level is how to bridge from their strengths to someone else's strengths that don't align with their own. Right. So helping people understand how people think, operate, communicate differently for themselves. Because if we just cruise around thinking, well, everyone needs to talk to me how I want to be talked to. Everyone needs to communicate yeah. with me exactly, you know, only through the channels that I can accept. Everyone needs to tell me things, you know, exactly the way I can hear them. You're really not setting yourself up to be a great communicator, which That's is right. a key part of being a good leader. So yes. really just helping people understand themselves first and then after that, giving people skills, ideas, tactics in order to enact that leadership in really wise ways with the group they're in, you know, their organization, their team, you know, whatever the leadership context is for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you mentioned earlier about, you know, your strengths and I think that's critical, too, because what I've also seen is that leaders who are good leaders, they don't have a problem with saying, you know what? That's not my strength, but that's why I surround myself. I build a competent team, not for me to be intimidated by you, but for you to bring your skill so that we can fulfill the mission of the organization. But so many times you see leaders who they don't want strong people on their team and they don't want people who have the skills that are needed. They feel like they have to have every. Um, skill that's needed in a particular um, work division. Right. And uh, I, I don't, I just never understood that. Yeah. Well, I think it's actually a sign of sort of people feeling insecure a little bit in their leadership. Right, if right, I can't right. have strong leaders around me, they compliment me. Right. Yeah. And, and I think actually strong leaders need to be able to challenge each other and like push each other to go, go further, go higher, do more. Right. Yeah. So if I have only people, if I surround myself with people who are just going to be like, yeah, good idea. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Good idea. I'm just going to like time. run yeah. myself right off a cliff. Like it's yeah, not, it's, I'm not going to do well at all in any straight in any well, way. That is so true. You do need people who will challenge you and, and will question, okay, what are we doing? Why are, why is this policy in place? I need to understand what we're doing, where we're going. Because to me, when you do that internally, then you're ready for the external oh, challenges yeah, when people come against you and want to understand, well, why did you make that decision? You prepared yourself. And so right. um, that um, that's a great point. Yeah. And I think yeah. that internal conversation is always, how can we do this better, right? How can right. we do this better? How can we improve this? How can we make this smoother? You know, whatever better is in the context. Right. And you only, you only find those things out by looking at like, well, critically at what you're doing now. You know, without it, a critical view, you can't improve anything. Very true. And also to go back to your earlier point about communication, when when you're asking how can we do this better, you know, where were the gaps? Maybe where were the pitfalls? What did we miss? I used to ask my team that. What did we miss? It's okay that we we're being honest. And oh yeah, you want to know? You know, you want to yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, because I want to make sure. Listen, we don't want to go down that path again. We need oh, to definitely. correct that. But if you if people aren't comfortable with communicating that to you, if they know that your reaction to anything negative is such that you don't want to hear it, or they're going to be penalized, you don't get um, authentic feedback. And I think that's critical. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Without that trusting environment, you're not going to get that really good feedback, you know, positive and constructive both. Right. You know, if you don't get that feedback, you're not going to grow. Right. Projects are going to flounder. Nothing is going to really you're not going to maximize the people on your team. It's just going to be one person doing one thing. Right. But why do you have a team then? Who are you leading if you can't engage anyone else on on your mission, on your vision with you and get the best out of them along the way? Like if it's just like my way or the highway, like what kind yeah. of leadership is that? Yeah. Not, not great. Not great. Not great. You are, you are right. So then if you're a leader, what are some signs that your team is dysfunctional or going off the rails other than us ending up with a yelling match or, you know, <laughs> right. fist fight or having yeah. to call in security. We're trying not Chairs to, flying. we, we yeah. understand <laughs> what that means. That's definitely yeah. a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. But um, so what are some of the signs though? I think leaders need to be really savvy in getting to know their team or their group that they're working with, right? The team they're leading, for mm-hmm. example. And I would look for just changes in how that team operates or communicates. So if you have like a really, really talkative team and suddenly no mm-hmm. one's talking, something is up there. That's or if you good. have a really, really quiet team and suddenly you hear these grumbles and grumbles and grumbles, but no one's making eye contact, right. that's, you know, something's up there. So I think you really have to understand the lay of the land where you are. And I think this is another sort of new leader tactic. They come in too, too big, too fast, oh, yeah. right? And they just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. storm the castle and everything is, you know, <laughs> bull yeah. in a china shop, like destroyed. Yeah. But taking some time to get to understand your team, your teammates, how they operate, how they think, how they communicate. And then once you see, and like, so you're very wise leaders noticing these subtle changes and waiting, yeah. you know, and not waiting for them to become bigger and bigger. And then suddenly like, Hey, someone's never emailing me back. Like, Hey, someone's never some, somehow my calls always go to voicemail for them. They never take my call, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Like those are sort of like more obvious signs, but the, the precursor of that is just those subtle shifts and changes in how people are communicating. I'd say communication is really where that comes out because this mm-hmm. is how you're, you know, interacting with your team normally and seeing those subtle signs and subtle, things change really gives yeah. you a clue that like something's not quite yeah. as smooth as it should be, or we're really at the, at the brink of taking another big step, you know, like yeah. something needs to happen here. Either we need to course correct or we're like, cool, but now we're ready for the next thing. So communication is critical oh, for yeah. a team to be successful or to meet their goals. So when communication breaks down, what can we do mm-hmm. to address that? I think some of it, again, goes back to, so there's one side where it's like, is it me or is it you? (laughs) So Uh understanding your team, understanding what's going on with the the other, you know, the teammates, the other people involved, like something might be going on with them that you miss that you're, and you're the problem, right? Like you just haven't seen it. And so you're whatever, it's not going well. And I think there's another layer where like really taking that time to make sure you were right in your assumptions. We make so many assumptions about how people operate and how people communicate. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just like, oh, I'm just going to assume like, oh, they're going to say good morning to me every morning. And then they didn't like, oh my gosh, everything's terrible. Like, no, maybe <laughs> yeah. that's just me making a weird assumption that that's how right. they always operate. And right. you know, whatever my, my data set was not very big for making that assumption. So right. checking your assumptions. And I think there's really, I always end up talking to leaders about like, have the conversation, talk to the person, that's have the conversation, talk that's, to the person. Yeah. Iggy, that is where I was going because what I used to say to new managers, directors, I used to say to them, really, if you are not capable of having an honest conversation, if you can't have difficult, not just difficult conversations, you're not ready for this role because there will be days where you will have someone on your team that you like 
and that they've been working hard and things are going on, but they missed the ball on this specific task. And you're going to have to address that. And it's uncomfortable, but you do yourself a disservice and you do them a disservice by not having a hard conversation to say, you know what, you've done great in these areas, but I just want to talk to you about what happened here. And so that we can see, like you say, uh, like you said, that I don't make assumptions, that we don't make assumptions. You may not, that person might have been might have lost a family member, never told the team, nobody knew about it. So you at least have the difficult conversation so that you can try and get ahead of issues that break down the whole team. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's like one of the hardest things for new leaders yeah. is initiating those conversations and kind of, but also planning for them in advance, because I think they like feedback, right? Is this like dirty word yeah. that some people are like feedback? Oh, no, if people are going to just yell at me and yeah. you know, it's gonna be terrible. I'm like, you're doing yeah. it wrong if that's what you think feedback is. And also you've probably had poor models and there are ways to like, and I, to me, feedback is sometimes having a hard conversation. I think that like feedback and conflict get sort of mixed together, right? Like, oh wait, I need to tell them to do something different. Like I need someone to do yeah. something different, but yeah. I need to approach that with curiosity. I need to approach that with like from a learning mindset as the leader in charge, because yeah. I don't know what's going on with that person necessarily. I know like, they missed a deadline yeah. that's pretty obvious. Like this thing yeah. wasn't ready when it was supposed to be. I, that's like the smallest slice of the situation that I can see. And so preparing yourself for that conversation, whether it's feedback or behavior, you know, shifting or maybe a more like you sense is a more of a conflict, you know, a conflict of interest or misaligned yeah. values, misaligned mission, yeah. like interpretation underneath that, you need to be able to have those conversations and set yourself up to, to have those conversations in a way that builds trust and shows respect without devolving into this yelling, screaming, people right. get defensive and people are going to get defensive. People yeah. are not going to take it well. Yeah. Cool. That's on you as the leader to, you know, elevate your leadership and be like, great, this is not going well. How are we going to still build this relationship? you know, maintain this relationship? How are we still going to build trust? How are we still going to have respect in this conversation? Even if we don't see eye to eye, even if we right. don't agree on what needs to happen or, you know, any of these, yeah. any things that are conflict or feedback related. So then how, how can a leader deal with a problem employee? Mm. <laughs> right. There's so many. Hey. This is <laughs> Yeah. This is the other thing leaders like that's who they need to talk to right as the problem employee and yeah. they don't want to talk to them because it's weird or it's awkward yeah. or yeah. it's not maybe they missed a deadline they're just you know parking your parking spot every day you know it's something weird is happening <laughs> right it's like it's a problem it, it, yes it's a problem mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever those problems are yeah. great talk to them great yeah. you know like that's the short answer but i would say engaging in those conversations starting with curiosity like, hey, do you have a second to talk? Hey, what do you think is happening? Like, here's what I see happening. What do you see happening in this situation? Yeah. Here's what I'm expecting. What are you expecting? Because I bet communications broke down and your expectations aren't aligning or some combination of both of those things are happening. Maybe your expectations are just wildly different. Mm -hmm. Maybe communication just fell apart somewhere along the way. So you don't even know what people are thinking or what they're doing. I mean, those are two great areas to start the conversation. Like, are we aligned on expectations? And are we actually communicating every piece of information, you know, everything that's relevant for this situation? Yeah. And those usually like funnel you toward a obvious solution or the next step, you know, maybe right. not a solution doesn't, you know, materialize, but there's, there's more there. Right, right. So if you talk, talk to me a little bit about 
psychological safety Mm -hmm. in the workplace. When I saw that, I was like, hmm, I definitely want her to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, there's this researcher named um, Amy Edmondson, and she did she developed this whole concept of psychological safety. I think she's mm-hmm. at Harvard, Yale, mm-hmm. you know, some someplace fancy mm-hmm. out there doing her research. And she did research initially in hospitals on different floors. She noticed some some floors in hospitals. You know, you have a team that works together: the doctors, right. the nurses, the you yeah. know, people. Fair, just their their um, patients fared a lot better than like a comparable floor at a different hospital. You know, the same type of unit, same type of right, thing. Right. And so she's like, well, what's different between these? You know, why is why do some people fare better? And, you know, and she was looking at patient outcomes, right? You know, right, it wasn't just right, right. whatever. It's pretty measurable. And she discovered that she did more and more research and, and like kind of poked around in there that some teams had this idea. So this is where psychological safety comes in. On some teams, anyone on the team could be like, hey, this isn't right. We need to make a change. Hey, we need to this. We need to hear some ideas for how we can make this better. So basically anyone could sort of chime in mm-hmm, and support mm-hmm. the, the the overall mission of healthy mm-hmm. you know, patient outcomes. Mm-hmm. Other floors, other places, no psychological safety. People didn't talk to each other. People were just in their little bubble, you know, the. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, you know, whatever the night shift didn't talk to the day shift, the doctors right. didn't talk to the nurses, whatever right. it was like, there was not really clear communication among those lines because people didn't feel safe speaking up. They didn't feel like they could say, oh, hey, here's the thing we should do differently next time because they felt they would get punished or, you know, yelled mm-hmm. at or whatever it was. And so mm-hmm. that's what psychological safety is like this, this overall feeling that anyone can be a positive contributor to the team at any time. Right. And right. Even if things are, you know, if things are going well, it's easy, right? To be like, well, yeah. it's going great. But if things are not going well, or if you have an idea for improvement, psychological safety, one piece of it is that people can speak up and be like, you know, here's how we can change this. Here's actually a solution we haven't, like, I don't actually, uh, there's those signs that say like, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions, Mm -hmm. which really is not very fair to people. Like, I don't know the solution. I just know that this is a problem. We need to fix it. But psychological safety, you might not have the solution, but you might have ideas like, you know, this part isn't going well. I think we need to look at, you know, how we're scheduling people. I think we need to look at, you know, whatever, like some factor of it, they might have ideas, but not expect people to bring you the whole solution as a leader what is your job as a leader? <laughs> like, yeah, like your right. job is to find solutions and like to solve these problems. Well, then Iggy, then would it be safe to say that uh, a facet of psychological safety is making sure that everybody understands their value to the mission, that, you know, your value, you are no more valuable than I am. We just have separate roles and responsibilities, but I'm not to be dismissive of uh, staff member B because, you know, staff member A has been here longer or staff member A brings all of, you know, a different set of credentials, but some way making sure that everybody understands that they have a voice and they have an obligation for us to perform as a team to the betterment of the patient. Absolutely. And they, they not only need to feel that value, they need to feel able to communicate that value. Like mm-hmm. That's where it gets suddenly like dicey, like, oh, everyone's really important here, except for that they can't speak up because they get yelled at, you know, right, like, so right. everyone needs to feel that, like, and me, for me, it comes back to that sense of trust in the leadership and in the organization, but also they feel respected within that space, that their voice is going to be respected no matter what they say. You know, if it's helpful, if they offer a bad suggestion, like they don't get mocked for the next year. Right. And if they right, offer right. a good suggestion, people take it on yeah. and move it forward. Yeah. And I think that piece is critical that people aren't mocked and made to feel like, well, that was stupid. You know, so people have to be able to somehow voice their opinion, 
but not feel like they're going to be, you know, labeled forever as the idiot of the group or something. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I know we say like there's no dumb questions, but we think they're dumb question askers all the time. We judge right. the people asking the questions constantly. Yeah. But that's not a very psychologically safe practice, right? To be like, oh, these yeah. these doofuses from down the hall yeah. are going to like waste yeah. our time again. Like that that does not set anyone up for like improvement, success, or even like literally in the cases of Amy Edmondson's research, positive patient outcomes. Like that really deteriorates all those things by not having those that team cohesion and team respect and team trust. Right, right, right. Okay. So can you share a bit about your leadership mastermind service that you provide? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I bring together leaders into mastermind groups, which are collectives and non-hierarchical collectives where people can really quickly build their leadership skills or actualize wise leadership practices in their organization. I know um, as a leadership trainer, I can give you a skill, I can give you a training, I can do these types of things, but the nuance of how you apply it in your situation mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. so different for each person. Mm -hmm. And even if you have the same job as someone else is the same job, you know, in a different organization, if you're the same type of thing, great. I love to bring together people from the same type of jobs in different organizations, same type of role, and have them discuss their leadership challenges, but also their leadership needs, and then serve as resources for each other. So it's this facilitated group that's driving everyone to be a, a more wise, more effective, more powerful leader through a shared group experience is the best way I can describe it. So I'm always cultivating people who want to be a develop a lead as a leader and actualize their leadership and put mm -hmm. them in a group. You know, we meet together for a couple months, you know, depending on the type of the group, and they are able to discuss what their actual challenges are and get these amazing feedback from all these people who are in the same boat, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I can facilitate this conversation moving forward, driving everyone to improve, to grow, to change, and to really take, do things that they were nervous mm -hmm. about or get feedback that they weren't sure how to ask for. That, you know, it's conversations people have are really personal and really powerful, but also so just useful for them when they go and apply it like they go they do the thing they come back to the group they go do the thing they come back to the group it's just an amazing opportunity for leaders to grow and develop okay wow sounds like it so now we talked earlier about you know when there's a new supervisor or maybe a new manager they come in and they're you know gung-ho they, they're excited about it but we also have you know people new to the job market maybe a new uh, employee, college graduate, or someone in a new role, um, and they are just starting off in management. You know, they've just got their first opportunity to manage. How how do you? What would you? What advice can you offer that person mm -hmm. about how to successfully manage a team? Right. Thing one is. Take your time getting to know the team. Even if you were already on the team as a, you know, you just got promoted, you know, from the same within the same team, get to know the team yeah. and the people on it from sort of your management perspective, you know, whatever that is, like how people communicate, how they operate, who does what, how they actually like to work, how they think through their processes. Are they the verbal person? Are they the quiet person off in the corner? Right. Are they the introvert, the extrovert? Get to know as much about your team as well as how they view the mission that you're on, you know, how they view the tasks ahead of them. Are they like, oh, I don't want anyone, you know, I'm in my own bubble, don't talk to me. Or are they like, I want to collaborate, 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 and we're all going to do this together. Whatever it is, however they operate, as much information as you can possibly gather in the beginning and to take your time doing it, the better you'll be moving down the line as you need to then 
like shift or direct or change, you know, make changes along the way. So I'd say you can't go wrong gathering a lot of information first and you can't go wrong understanding your values and how you are going to operate and your strengths as a leader. I, we talked mm -hmm. about that earlier, but those pieces, then you can put them together and be like, great, how do I get the most out of these people? But you need to know your people first. You need mm -hmm. to know your mission, your process, mm -hmm. all the different parts about and as well as how you operate first. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, Iggy, I'm going to end with this. As the uh, founder of WSL Leadership, what was the impetus to you starting um, your company? Or, or was there some aha moment or something that motivated you to say, you know what, I I'm going to do this? Can you share a bit about that? Sure. Uh, I've worked in the field of leadership development for other organizations for years and years and years. And I got to this point where I sort of wanted to do it my own way. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to do masterminds. I want to do training on the things that I think people really need. I want to talk about psychological safety and emotional intelligence. I want to talk about trust and respect. And then working for all these other employers all over, you know, over time, I'm like, there's a little piece here and a little piece there. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I had just gathered enough, um, I don't know, body of knowledge, body of experience to be like, I think I have a way to do this. And it's going to be super effective and actually make the world a better place and really reach and connect with people as they go through their leadership career, their leadership role, whatever it is, you know, however they actualize leadership in their life or their sport, like the WSL stands for your work, sport and life. So mm -hmm. I work with leaders in all these venues. So uh, yeah, I formed my business because I really wanted to support people in the way that was best for me and maybe not be constrained by how another organization okay. likes leadership development to happen. Okay. Wow. That's wonderful. Well, um, those are all of the questions that I have for you today. Thank you so much for, for joining us here at um, Earrings Off. I don't know if you have something you want to say before we end. Yeah, we talked about conflict uh, and working on that a little bit. And I have right. a conflict management checklist, a emotionally intelligent conflict management checklist okay. that people can download. And okay, I don't know if you have show notes or where it is, but it's at wslleadership.com slash Mm -hmm. conflict. So folks can just get an idea of like how to think through and plan before they have to have that hard conversation okay. and then steps through to go through the conversation and how to follow up at the end. So you're maintaining that trust and respect in that relationship. So I'd love if anyone is interested, they can just grab it. It's a free download. And uh, yeah, I would rather have more leaders making the world a better place out there by having these hard conversations. So okay, thanks for coming on Earrings Off and uh, we wish you the very best. 